Hey guys, Paul Churchill here. I'm doing a precursor to this podcast. I'm recording this on Friday, three days before the podcast comes out. I initially recorded this episode on Monday. In between those two dates, I came out to this basically in a video format. I came out to the Private Groups Cafe RE. And what happened was about what I expected to happen. And here we are. I wanted to delete this podcast episode. I didn't want to do the video reveal to the groups, but my heart is telling me to do it. And I encourage you to move forward with an open mind. In fact, the day after the videos, a, a gal who's been in AA for 10 years, almost a decade of sobriety, she posted a set aside prayer and I said, wow, I wish I could have let off with that one, but I do have the opportunity to lead off with that because this episode hasn't come out yet. So here it is. Please help me set aside everything I think I know about people, places, or things so I may have an open mind and a new experience. Please help me see the truth about people, places, or things. Amen. And before we begin, I want to be clear. When I recorded this episode, I was nervous. I was scared. I'm still nervous and scared, but it's not a pitch. I came out of the gate hot, I know, but it's not a pitch. This is only what I experienced as part of my journey. Okay, you can take what you want and leave the rest. Take all of it, take none of it. It's up to you. But I encourage you to listen to the whole thing. With the video, I got some feedback that sounded like this. Hey Paul, I watched the first five minutes of your video and this is how I feel. Or, hey Paul, I wasn't able to attend the video last night, but my friend did and they told me about it and this is how I feel. Again, it's all beautiful comments of support, comments of not support. I get it. But please listen to all of it and proceed with an open mind. Recovery Elevator, episode 170. Welcome to the Recovery Elevator podcast. My name is Paul Churchill. Thank you so much for joining us. According to the Recovery Elevator sobriety tracker on my phone, it has been 1,345 days since my last drink. On today's podcast, we've got, well, you've got me. And this is, without a doubt, the most important podcast episode up to date. Not because it's me on the podcast. The previous interviewees have all been remarkable. Their stories have been incredible. But this is big. Why? Well, because I know this audience. I know who's listening. I read the emails. I see the posts in Cafe I see the posts on the Facebook page, the interactions. And I know you're ready for this. I know I'm ready to talk about this. This episode is big. And you might not be able to fully grasp it in the next 40 minutes, hour, half hour, who knows, however long this takes, but you'll probably begin to wrap your head around it tomorrow, the next day, the week after, and for a long time moving forward. This episode is so big that Ty, and Ty is a sweetheart who came out of retirement to edit the podcast and work another 20 to 25 hours per week for me for the other businesses. Ty, you got the week off. I'd like to say thank you to Mike, who does the show notes for the Recovery Elevator podcast. Mike, you got the week off. Because this episode is going to be raw. We're going to hear papers shuffling. You're going to hear ums. You're going to hear ahs. There will be gaps. There will be breaks. 
and that's okay. And you know why? It's because I'm speaking from the heart and everything is going to be okay if it comes from the heart. And I have to admit, Recovery Elevator, I'm scared. There's fear inside me and that's okay because like I said, I'm speaking from the heart. I know that once this podcast episode goes live, I won't be able to unrecord it. Once it's out, there's no turning back. And change is hard. And this will drastically change the direction of the Recovery Elevator podcast. For the good. And I'm excited. I'm scared. And I'm excited. And I think you'll understand why. And I also think for 99% of people who hear this podcast episode, they're going to be on board with it. Like I said earlier, I know who's listening. But I know there will be a few that will never listen to this podcast again. There will be a few that quit Cafe RE. And if that's the case, that's okay. I understand. And I also know there will be a few who get behind the computer and and, and draft out a, a strongly worded email. And they'll fire it off to me and, and speak their mind. And again, if that's the case, it's okay. I wish you the best. Thank you for joining me on this journey up until this moment. A sincere thank you from my heart. Since the inception of the podcast, I set out to find resources geared towards helping myself and others with alcohol addiction. Part of me doesn't want a podcast about this. Part of my brain is telling me to keep quiet and keep my mouth shut. But if I didn't talk about this, then I'm not someone you want to be listening to in the first place. So here goes. Are you ready? Like I said, this is big. And I'm, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not building the hype because I get enjoyment out of this. Um, I've been digesting this for a little bit of time and and figuring out how to deliver it. And so this is the best that I can do. Again, this podcast is big. It's so big that it's sponsored by ZipRecruiter. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding on that one. But let's hear from my absolute favorite resource in recovery, Cafe RE. And at the end of this episode, I'm going to talk about the direction Cafe RE is going to go along with its 500 members. The most important thing I've learned while doing the Recovery Elevator podcast is we can't do this alone. Believe me, I tried for over two years and it was painful. So here's the good news. With Cafe RE, you get access to a confidential and unsearchable Facebook group 24 hours a day. There, you can get instant accountability and genuine connection with others who also wish to lead a life without alcohol. In Cafe RE, you'll find that being sober is a tremendous opportunity and not a sacrifice. For $14 a month, you can join the conversation, be paired with an accountability partner, attend educational online webinars, attend online meetups, attend in-person Cafe R meetups, and participate in book club. Go to recoveryelevator.com and use the promo code OPPORTUNITY to waive the setup fee. Again, use the promo code OPPORTUNITY to waive the setup fee. I hope to see you there. Welcome back. Okay, ready? I'd like to talk to you about Advocare and Isogenics. Nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> At least not in this podcast episode. Okay, before I begin, I want you to visualize the internal guardrails you've put up in your life and take them down. Take off your hat, your ego hat, shall we say, that says, I know what's right and I know what's wrong. I know what's up and I know what's down. 
and hang that hat at the front door. No, no, no. In fact, open the front door and toss that hat into the wind because it's going to do, because wearing that hat, it's going to do more damage than good during this podcast episode and for the remainder of your life. Just let it go. My favorite chapter from The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson, which is actually an upcoming Cafe or book club, in chapters, is chapter six. It says, you're wrong about everything and so am I. There was a time when cartographers thought California was an island. For thousands of years, the human beings on this planet thought the world was flat. In fact, there were some who tried to convince others that the world wasn't flat that were killed for that idea. For another thousands of years, doctors thought bloodletting was a surefire way to cure disease. Astronomers at one time thought the sun revolved around the earth. Okay, you get the point. What I'm getting at is, please, I encourage you to listen with an open heart. And whenever your thinking brain or that ego steps in and says, wait a second, this can't be right. Seriously, go ahead and press pause on this podcast and say out loud, stop. Just tell it to stop. It will feel good when you tell your ego to stop. Because it's these blinders, it's these guardrails, this alternate reality that we have internally created. Hate to say it, but that's what's landed you to be listening to a recovery podcast in the first place. And me included. I'm in the exact same boat. So, are we ready to move forward with an open mind and open heart? Great, I'm excited. I'm so ready to freaking do this. Um, and I apologize, there may be a couple F-bombs. Um, I've always been terrible at timing up the beeps on the Fs, so I'm not even going to try. But guess what? There are two major value bombs in this episode. Number one is the big reveal, which I'm going to get at soon. I understand we're already seven minutes of the podcast, and you're like, Paul, come on, dude. Let's go. Let's and do this. I'm getting there. But there are two major value bombs, and I'll call them out when we get there. It's going to be hard to miss them. Okay. I hope you're excited because I know I am. So recovery elevator, I was struggling for a while. I was riding the struggle bus front row, just riding it. White knuckles, grabbing the front seat, riding the struggle bus. In fact, I was slowly dying. And I'm not saying this for dramatic effect on the podcast. It's just the way I feel. You've heard me say on this podcast that alcohol kills in this order, spiritually, mentally, and physically. Spiritually, despite my wholehearted efforts, bless your heart, Paul, there wasn't much of a spiritual flame in my body. I quit drinking alcohol on September 7th, 2014, and my life got so much better for about eight months. And that was mostly physically And that was because I removed the horrible toxin, ethanol with a couple additives added to make a palatal, that shit I call alcohol. I thought quitting alcohol was going to be a panacea of sorts, and it was for about eight months. And then I began, which some of you can relate with, and I know some of you will relate with. Like I said, I've seen these posts, I get the emails 
After about month eight, I begin the unjoyful game of addiction whack-a-mole. Yep, that's where imagine your thumb just pushing down your drinking problem and then within time, another problem, another addiction arises somewhere else in your life. I began working 60 to 70 hours per week. I started using chewing tobacco, Jesus, at age 34. I started smoking at age 35. I got addicted to running. Last year, I signed up for a 20-mile ridge run race. That's definitely not me. I would binge eat honey to the point where I would throw the honey away. And then in the middle of the night, I'd go out in the trash can, pull the honey out, and eat it again. The only way I found to get rid of the honey, I would microwave the honey in the microwave, walk out to the field next to my house, and drip it out like a water. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I loved Reese's Pieces. Welcome there, addiction. And guess what? At the end, I started to use more and more of my prescribed with my name on the side of the bottle. That's how I was justifying it. ADD meds. I was struggling and it wasn't a secret. And that's the bulk of Cafe RE. The bulk of this podcast is if you're struggling, let's share it because keeping a secret doesn't do anything. So episode 118, which was titled The Black Dog, which came out in April, I think April of 2017, it was all about the depression I was experiencing at the time. And looking back at of all the 170 episodes, episode 000, that's a big one. That's the inception of the podcast. That was big. Episode 118, for me, that was big. And episode 170, again, I'm not BSing you. This is the biggest episode up to date. So after episode 118, I received some key emails, some key Facebook messages that started me on my journey, which eventually led me to experience what I'm going to talk about today. So since that episode, I had quit my antidepressants, quit my ADD meds, stopped smoking, stopped using smokeless or chewing tobacco, whatever. I did a lot of shit. I came off of like three other meds as well. It wasn't easy. Fuck, it wasn't easy at all. And like I said, I was struggling. I was struggling. And it all came to a head on Super Bowl Sunday of 2018 when I gave myself two black eyes. Yep, you heard that right. Yeah, I hated myself so much, I gave myself two black eyes. I remember it was the morning time. I was texting friends, hey, you know, what's the plan? What can I bring to the Super Bowl party tonight? And I realized there was something void in my life. It was feeling. Oh, and another thing, and love for myself. Yeah, those two are the big ones. I wasn't feeling anything. I didn't want to do anything. I, I, I wasn't getting happy about hobbies, about seeing people, um, and I hated myself. And open palm started to smack the side of my head. And guess what? I felt that, and it felt kind of good. Repeat open palm process from, you know, hand to head several times. And guess what? You get two black eyes. Um, yeah. And that was not fun. I mean, black eyes actually get worse before they get better. I had like 20 to 25 people ask about it. And they had some good stories. The biggest one was uh, cross-country skiing and involved a standard poodle named Ben. Yeah, so... There was a time that morning where I was on my hands and knees crying in my living room and the thought of suicide came to mind. I was so stuck. 
I had no way out. I knew I wasn't going to drink at that moment, but suicide came to mind and it scared the shit out of me. So I talked to my brother, talked to my mom and let them know about what was going on and a couple others in my life that were close to me. And we got to work. We started doing some research. Like I mentioned, I was slowly dying. But I have to say thank you from the bottom of my heart to all the listeners, all the wonderful emails that I've received and all the members of Cafe RE because you guys have kept me alive for a long time. In fact, long enough for me to experience this and be reborn. I'm not joking when I say this. I would have been a goner a long time ago without you guys. And I don't want to get, you know, exaggerate and, and, you know, for, to make the podcast better, you know, I, I don't know, but I think I would have drank and committed suicide a long time ago without you guys. So before going on, I just want to give you guys a genuine thank you from the bottom of my heart. And what I know now is it's a huge heart. It is. So there's a lot of gratitude in there. A lot of gratitude going out to you right now who is listening. Okay, back on track. So the Greek would punish people by banishing them from a community or tribe. This was actually a punishment of death. The banished would always perish only in a matter of time. They were not allowed back into the city. The reason why they die, you know, there's food, there's water out there for people. But human beings, we need a tribe to survive. And I had basically banished myself from myself, if that makes any sense. Self-loathing was killing me. I held the bar so high for myself saying, Hey, Paul, you're this guy. You're supposed to be in charge of nearly 500 paying members for Cafe RE. You're supposed to have it all wrapped up and together. But I didn't. And again, you know, I'm actually not even going to apologize for that. I'm human. And if you're looking for somebody perfect, well, that doesn't exist. But somebody who's more perfect than I am, best of luck. You have my blessing. That's not me. So with the research that I did, my mom did, my brother did, and you know, thank you so much, Molly and Mark. Molly's my mom, a rock star of a mom. Thank you. Um, I booked a coast. I booked a trip to Costa Rica for my birthday. And this is hard to say. During that trip, I I drank. I dr- oh no oh okay all right <laughs> oops whoopsie daisy my bad there no 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 okay you're probably thinking I drank alcohol oh man no whoa whoa my bad <laughs> oh that's kind of funny that's got uh, all right no I can honestly say that my last drink of alcohol was September seventh two thousand fourteen and that is nothing short of a miracle but I did drink plant medicine. More specifically, I did four nights of ayahuasca ceremonies. What is ayahuasca? Well, this is the most powerful medicine in the world, I'm convinced. The brew, which is basically a vine found in the Amazon and a couple other ingredients, is a traditional spiritual medicine that has been around for thousands of years, and there's even references to ayahuasca in the Bible. 
And the second value bomb, uh, that was value bomb one right there, if you missed it. And the second value bomb, um, there's another key figure who also drank ayahuasca, and we'll get to that later. So I drank ayahuasca, plant medicine, and it saved my life. I look at everything different now, and I mean everything. I have been given the gift of a new brain, a complete reset, like an infant seeing colors, tasting food, hearing sounds for the first time. I made connections in my brain that have been removed for a long time. Okay, so before we continue, let's cover the basics, the where, what, and how. Where, this was a life advancement retreat center, and I'll talk about the location later in the episode. When I was there April 7th to the 14th, over my birthday. You're saying to yourself, wait a second, this is coming out May 21st. This is like six weeks ago. How come you're just talking about it right now? Well... I wanted to go slow with this, and I wanted to run to the mountaintops every day, put my hands in my mouth, and start chatting about it. But like, you know, you put a new coat of paint on a barn, it's bright red, it's glowing, I wanted to walk outside every day and say, yeah, it's still red and it's still glowing. I wanted to make sure this was real. We've all heard of the, it's too good to be true statement, and guess what? That statement is always true in life, except for this. I know, I'm right there with you. I wake up every day waiting for that statement to hold true, just like it has with everything else in my life, but it hasn't. Holy shit, this is not too good to be true. It is true. I think I said that right. Okay. So why? Yeah, riding the struggle bus. Already covered that. How? Well, it's a seven-night life advancement uh, retreat. It's a five-star retreat center, three nights of breath work, meditation, and four nights of ayahuasca ceremonies. And again, I'll get into more about where it was and more about the location later. But in a nutshell, I made more progress in four nights of ayahuasca ceremonies with my addiction than I did in the past 15 years of life. And that is no joke. I mean, just think about that for a second. That's fucking profound. And that's what happened. And it's all lucid. It's all in my brain still today, six weeks later. Wow. Okay, cool. So went down there, uh, drank ayahuasca. And uh, what the hell happens then? Okay, cool. Well, like I said, plant medicine is the smartest, most powerful medicine in the entire world. Sorry, Pfizer, you didn't make it. Sorry, uh, other pharmaceutical companies, whatever, I can't think of any of ones right now. You didn't make it. You didn't. Uh, Lord Jesus Christ or whoever, again, whoever made it, um, it's natural. It's on this planet, and it is the most profound medicine I've ever taken. Okay, so night one, what did I learn? Well, night one, I drank the ayahuasca, and for the first hour and a half, I didn't feel a thing. And then I went in for the second calling, the second serving of ayahuasca, and another 30 minutes passed. And I sat there, you know, still riding the struggle bus, and I started to get defeated. I said, I can't even get this right. God damn it. But then, Mother Ayahuasca, it showed up. 
Hello, ayahuasca. And so I felt it. I got my bearings for a second, looked up at the stars, looked up at the ground, said, oh my God, we still need to breathe. Go slow, breathing in one, two, three breaths. Okay, we can do this. Now, Paul, let's put on your uh, recovery hat and let's get to work. Now, there were 80 people total doing these ayahuasca ceremonies. So I went back to my mattress, my area in the yoga studio, and I went to work, right? And they tell you, you'll sit there, close your eyes, and start to focus on the issues that are holding you back in life. And they say, you know, you might think you're down there to work on the relationship with your mom, the relationship with your dad. I'm not, that's not, that's not me speaking personally in my life, but you might have been sexually abused as a child and, and that's what you're there to work on. But the medicine, it tells you where to go. So I'm sitting there, hands by my side, breathing deep, getting ready to face my deepest of spirits, you know, that my, you know, face my challenges and boom, I, I, I smiled and, you know, I'm looking around the room and I'm, I'm hearing people crying out loud, um, facing real, real life struggles and going through problems. Um, yeah. And, and, and okay, I know I'm going to forget to say this. So I'm say it now. You've heard me say this in the podcast. You got to go through it to get to it. And that is very true with ayahuasca. This is not a quick fix, but you have the ability to face all of that stuff compressed into four nights of magic. Okay. So yeah, I sat there on my mattress. I was like, okay, smile. All right. And then a couple seconds later, I started to started to laugh. I, I, I had to cover my mouth because there is an environment. There's a, you know, there, there's an ambiance that they're going for. They've got shamans, they got music, they got, you know, the shaking leaves doing like the smoke and stuff like that. They're trying to build that environment and I couldn't stop fucking laughing. I'm talking hand over my mouth, then a pillow over my mouth. Then I rolled over a mattress face in the pillow. I couldn't stop laughing. And I recall them saying earlier in the classroom sessions, don't fight it. Don't fight it. And I think I had a leg up on ayahuasca because of my experience in recovery. I was fighting alcohol for a long time. And I quit fighting a while ago to get sober. So I had some practice before taking the ayahuasca that, uh, that was definitely on my side. So I got up and I walked outside of the yoga studio outside on bare feet in the grass and I'm laughing. I'm laughing. I'm like 20 yards away and I'm laughing loud, really freaking loud to the point where a shaman walks out and says, Hey there, how you doing? I'm going, I'm good. I'm good. I just, uh, just laughing a little bit here. They're like, okay. Well, we can hear you inside. I mean, you're doing great work. Keep it up, but we're going to have you, you just, just go to like the other side of the lawn repeat process three times. I'm like 60 yards away from the whole group. There's 79 people going deep with their internal problems. And there's Paul Churchill, the recovery elevator podcast guy laughing his fucking ass off uncontrollably. I'm talking like knees. I'm talking like hands on knees, bent over stomach, about to break in half, laughing uncontrollably. And do you know what this is, guys? Because at about minute 10, I realized what it was because there was a voice that came inside my head and I'm talking about those guardrails in life called the ego stepping in and saying, dude, all this is, Paul, is, is we're just like, you just drank a, a, a vine from the Amazon 
and I was able to just out loud, as loud as I possibly could say, stop and hold my hand out. Night one was the beginning of the destruction of my ego. You may have read this in a big blue book, how ego is fucking dangerous. My ego had snuck in the back door, however it came in. It's life, it's 2018. People got houses, trips, jobs, whatever. My ego snuck in. And I needed to first detonate the ego before I was able to move forward and address other issues. Some other cool things started to happen night one. I started to fall in love. Yeah, it was great. There was this gal, I'm just kidding. I started to fall in love with myself. Wow. We're talking tears. Screaming. God, I'm getting teary-eyed right now. I fucking fell in love with myself. I did. I did. Like I said, six weeks later, still real. Paint on the barn is still red and glowing. I fell in love with myself. It was fucking awesome. Yeah, if you haven't done it yet, I recommend you do it. Um, and if you've heard me say that on this podcast is I haven't heard of anybody who's been successful in addiction without addressing the self-loathing and look, I talked about it. I thought I did. I worked on it. Um, but I needed a little kickstart. I needed some plant medicine to fully fall in love with Paul Churchill. Holy shit. This guy's heart is fucking big. Yeah. And that's okay. If, uh, if I'm the only one that knows that, and no, I mean, you guys know it too. You know it. And I also on night one realized just how powerful the breath is. And this is with meditation. Um, with each breath, we bring in life from this planet, from this power greater than ourselves. It's always been there from second zero zero one of my birth. It's always been there. And it's still with me six feet later, six weeks later. Okay, cool. Awesome. Night one of the books. Let's uh let's fast forward to night two. So the, the giggle fest of night one was over, and night two started when started the ceremony. And it's like, okay, all right, Paul, we had a we had a fun time last night. Let's uh let's let's go to work, man. Let's uh let's figure out what's really holding us back. Let's figure out why we drank, right? Why we're struggling so much, why why the obsession is still there with alcohol. Okay. Okay. All right, so drink the medicine. Wait about an hour, um, you know, second round, drink the medicine. Boom. Giggle fest. Bring it on. Mr. Laughs. Um, same deal. 20 yards away, 40 yards away, 60, uh, another 60 yards away. Finally, I embraced it. I took my pillow and I brought a towel this time. I went out on the grass and, and, and just made fun of myself for like 30 minutes straight. Stuff like, hey, watch out, Paul Churchill's coming to the room, guys. Pull up a chair, get serious. Hey, this Paul Churchill guy, watch out for him. And it was so much fun just taking myself so less seriously, making fun of myself in such a loving manner with my heart. And it was a freaking blast. On night two, I was able to see how much love, how much love there is in my life. Most of all, for my mom, Molly Churchill, there is a love that a mother has for their child that is off this planet, out of this world. My brother, my dad, my freaking poodle, 
and all of you guys, I've got so much love in my life, and I was blind to it. I couldn't see it because you can't see it when you don't love yourself. So I had to first fall in love with myself night one, which continued through the rest of the nights before I was able to see the love, the warmth, and colors in my life. Flipping the page, what else we got here night two? Oh yeah, the game of life. On night two, I was able to sit in a stadium and look down on the game of life. And we're all in the game of life. And I was able to just say, whoa. Holy shit. There's so much out there in this game of life that we cannot control. I was able to see freeway overpasses, huge colossal sporting events, uh, wars, people being born without limbs, um, the great, the bad. In summary, I was able to see that life is such a beautiful struggle that 99.9% of it, and maybe even 100% of it, we have no control of what happens. And you've heard the word control in, I think, 78 point, I would go 98% of all these podcast episodes. That's a huge part in recovery, huge part in addiction, what led us to drink. We're trying to control a little bit too much of our surroundings and ourselves, our thoughts, our emotions. So for like 10 minutes, me being able to just look down at the game of life in awe and amazement and just say, wow. It's so fucking incredible just the way it is. Because what if, just what if, the moment right now is perfect just the way it is? Think about that. There's a little bit of internal peace that is there with that sentence. And I've been feeling it for six weeks. Night two, I realized... My heart has been guiding me in the right. So night two, I realized my heart has been guiding me in the right direction my entire life. We're talking like my heart is spot fucking on. This is intuition. And again, in the game of life, you can't beat yourself up for not listening to your heart because it's hard. Game of life is tough. I saw that firsthand. I've been witnessing it firsthand. We're all witnessing it. It's tough. So to not listen to my heart at times, that's okay. I still love myself. But I realize my heart has been guiding me in the right direction my entire life. And we'll get a little bit more on that later. Okay, night two, I had a purge of all purges. So when you drink ayahuasca, you're most likely going to vomit. There's a chance you're going to crap your pants. Small chance. But there is a chance you're probably going to rush to the bathroom, holding your bucket, um, wanting to throw up, and come out the other end as well. But night two... I had a purge where I threw up in the grass in a bucket. And once the throw up was out, all of a sudden my body just started sucking all the air out of my body. I was grasping at the earth for purchase. My fingers were full of dirt, you know, just buckling down because I thought I was dying. Every ounce of H2 or every ounce of oxygen in my lungs was being sucked out like a vacuum into this bucket. And once it was all out, my body wouldn't let me breathe in. I mean, this was kind of terrifying shit for like 10 to 15 seconds this was happening. And I looked in the bucket at the bottom of the bucket and there was this black mist just like sloshing up the sides. And then my body was slowly able to bring oxygen back in. And I kicked the bucket, or like hit the bucket with my knuckle 
and I made the mist slosh around the sides again. And I realized that was just this like negative, dark fucking energy that's been with me for a long time. And then I had a little chat with the black mist and I said, don't you ever fucking come back again. And look, I get it. You know, this is my ego coming in and saying, Ooh, drink ayahuasca like that didn't really happen. Doesn't matter if it did or not. I saw it and it's lucid and my brain believes it. And that energy, it's not in my body right now. It's gone for good. So, yeah, night one, night two, both laugh and giggle fests. Let's go to night three. All right. I'm like, okay, night three, let's get some work done here. Let's find out why we drank. I'm kind of getting a little sick of this right now. I mean, my stomach muscles, it felt like I had done a million sit-ups the night, night two and night three, or night one and night two. I was laughing so hard. All right, night three, come on, man, let's do this. Let's do some work, Pablo. <laughs> guess what? Night three, the ego still needed to be uh, detonated some more. And uh, I just made fun of myself in such a fun, lighthearted way. And I continued to fall in love with myself. It was awesome. Yeah, with Paul Churchill. Fucking love you, dude. I love you. <laughs> um, and all this was with breath. All this was with just the divine breath of oxygen that's always been there. And night three confirmed I have a huge heart. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. Okay. So night four. Night four. Okay. Night four is basically open bar ayahuasca. <laughs> and this might be the most epic you might be an alcoholic if line yet. So I went big. I went really, really big. Um, and it takes a while. You drink the ayahuasca and sometimes you don't feel it. Sometimes an hour and a half later you feel it. So we're talking like you might be an alcoholic if you get in the ayahuasca line, drink it, go back to your mattress, wait till about 50 people go through, you change your sweatshirt so you're wearing something different, you go back and get the other ayahuasca line, take another shot of ayahuasca, yeah. That's, uh, that's uh, I went big at being an alcoholic. Now, this worked to my advantage. I also went to some very scary places, and I don't recommend. Actually, let me think on that one. I actually do recommend. Your body will tell you what to do. Listen to your body, listen to your heart. But now that my ego had been fully detonated, I began to find out why I drank. And it has nothing to do with alcohol. And this is a tough one to explain, but what I did night four was I merged the heart and the soul. Now that is the value bomb, apart from me drinking ayahuasca, that is the value bomb of all value bombs of all 170 episodes of this freaking podcast is it's all about the heart and soul. It had nothing to do with alcohol had nothing to do with cigarettes, chewing tobacco, running, honey, Reese's Pieces, work, anything. So I purged and I merged. And this wasn't like, hey, heart, meet soul. Here's a couple of frescas, a Pepsi, some dips, and some chips and salsa. I'll be back in 30. You two just get to know each other. No. This required me to go in such a deep, scary, and spiritual space. But I had to go there and I made it through. We're talking, 
Has anybody seen the movie Vanilla Sky where Tom Cruise is running down the road yelling tech support as loud as he can? And that was me. And that was me. I was outside. I was outside. It's like three or four in the morning and I'm yelling tech support at the loud. I'm yelling tech support as loud as I possibly can because I was in a bad place. Yeah, I was. I was, uh, I was, yeah, I went big and I'm on the ground, like no shirt, no pants. I'm wearing like biker short skivvies. I threw up like on the concrete next to me. There's a shaman working with me and I'm again, like, okay, I'm going to tell you right now, just take the ego hat off, take that hat off that says, you know, better than me. And what I'm about to talk about, maybe it happened, maybe it didn't, it doesn't matter. But I got to a point where I was able to sacrifice myself for the good of mankind. And guess who showed up? Howler monkeys. Not like, you know, not like, you know, spiritual in my mind, howler monkeys, like legit howler monkeys. And this is Costa Rica. Howler monkeys are native to Costa Rica. Wow, Paul, crazy shit. No, Um, a, a pod of howler monkeys showed up right about the time where I was about to do it. I was about to sacrifice myself for the good of mankind. This is like strange shit that I'm still wrapping my head around. And and, uh, and I, apparently these howler monkeys came closer than they ever have. And I'm working. There's a shaman like rubbing my chest and working with me saying stuff. There's another shaman there standing near me. And then there's hotel staff standing near me with like a walkie-talkie. And pretty sure it's because there was about to be a howler monkey problem <laughs> on the uh, on the property. And right when I was about to detonate, you know, myself and sacrifice myself for the good of mankind, the howler monkeys, they started to howl like really fucking loud. And these are that's the loudest land animal on the planet. And I feel like my Holy Spirit, God, it's so hard. To, it was so weird to hear me say that had summoned these howler monkeys to come save my life. And then I heard the monkeys like, okay, guys, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And a couple minutes later, I got worked up again and I was about to do it. And guess what happened? The howler monkeys, they just, and it sounds like a semi truck driving down the road. If you've never heard a howler monkey, it's fucking wild. And then I, and then I toned it down again. And the third time I was about to sacrifice myself for the good of mankind. The howler monkeys, they started chirping again and they're getting closer I mean, there's 80 people doing some wild shit. Howler monkeys don't want anything to do with this ceremony. And the hotel staff's like, got his walkie-talkie out. He's like, yeah, uh, check. We, uh, uh, we, we, we see the howler monkeys. And, and uh, yeah, and the third time I was like, wait a second. When I'm about to end my life for the good of mankind, howler monkeys are talking louder. And so I was like, wait a second. Let me fucking try something here and i told the shaman i was like hang on hang on hang on and so i like faked ended my life (laughs) again just go with me here i like fake ended my life or was about to fake end my life and guess what happened howler monkeys went up and i had this confirmed i was like lucid enough to be like okay if this is really happening i need confirmation and so I asked the shaman, I'm like, Did that, are they going up? And this is all in my head. I'm not doing anything out loud. And he's like, yeah, they went up. I looked at the other shaman. He's like, yeah, we can hear them. They're, they're loud right now. And then I looked at the hotel staff. Yep. Okay. Three confirmations. And I was like, okay, watch this. And in my mind, I backed up 
uh, I was like, okay, I'm not going to do it, guys. And the howler monkeys went quiet. And I was like, holy shit. I'm talking to monkeys now. Let's go slow. And so I tell the shaman, I was like, oh, my God, watch this. I'm going to get the monkeys to go. And in my mind, I did it again. And then I came back, and it was confirmed. I did it like five times. And once the shaman figured out what I was doing, he barfed over my shoulder, and he just rolled on the ground in, in like, tears of amazement. Um, yeah, dude, I was a... I was, uh, I was talking to monkeys, guys. <laughs> again, uh, if, you, if you never listen to this podcast again, cool. I get it. Bless your heart. I understand. <laughs> again, whether it happened or not, I did my best to confirm it. It doesn't matter because I went to such a spiritual level. I found out we're all connected. There's a power out there that is so much fucking greater than myself. Jesus, criminy. Oh, my God. And... You know, the sun came up, and that the last ceremony on night four, it goes for like 12 to 13 hours. And so on, the, the sun's up. I've got, you know, I'm, I'm past the monkey moment now. Um, my hand's like gripping a mattress. I'm about to throw up, about to shit my pants. I'm struggling. And then a thought came to mind that this moment is just perfect the way it is. Life is perfect just the way it is. And like I said earlier, just what if? The moment right now that you're in is perfect just the way it is. The volume doesn't need to be higher, lower, heat, warmer, or colder. This person doesn't need to be nicer or meaner or whatever. It's just perfect the way it is. Okay. So, that was my experience through ayahuasca. Probably going to make some YouTube videos about this. So, check uh, check the YouTube uh, Recovery Elevator channel. Um <laughs> Oh man, I mean that's it. That's it. The takeaways blew up the ego. I got to keep that thing in check. Fell in love with myself. Realized there's so much love in my life. And after that night four ceremony, I realized my addiction is gone because I mended the heart and soul. Right? That was the most important night important lesson that I, you know, thing that I, journey that I had to go through. I think the most important journey of my life was I merged the heart and the soul. Um, and right, right there, right? Like, what does that mean, Paul? Where can I find more literature on this? Well, I mean, actually, there's a lot of spiritual leaders who talk about this, um, but I'm going to go slow with that. And you're probably going to be, you will be hearing it in upcoming podcasts moving forward. Um, and I get this is a lot to take in, and this is huge, 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 huge. And we'll get to this. You've probably already figured out why. This is plant medicine. And we'll, we're not quite done with this episode yet. I know we're 44 minutes into it. But uh, here we go. And let's talk about some other takeaways that I learned while I was down there. Through ayahuasca, I was able to see I was dealt a tremendous hand in the game of life. The first two nights, I was like, shit, it was acceptance, right? It was like, shit, okay, uh, I don't do well with alcohol. I'm five foot nine. I was tall as I'd like to be. That's okay. It was an acceptance for who I am. Again, there's so much in this life that I cannot control. Um, and then the next two nights was like, holy shit, I have been dealt the best hand on this planet. I could even argue that I got the river card. Yeah, there's real pain and trauma that people had to work through in those rooms. And my parents and my family, my loved ones around me, they did a great job, the best they could, of shielding me from that real pain. 
and I realize that I am perfect. Hear this, hear this, hear this, hear this. I am perfect just the way I am. God damn, there's a lot of inner peace that goes along with that sentence. Oh, that feels good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I did a lot of healing. Like I said, I did more healing in four nights than I've done in the last 20 years through pharmaceuticals, talk therapy, all this. I mean, it's all part of my journey, but fuck. Four nights of just going through it. I got to go through it to get to it, but you're able to do it. This is like the only quick fix that I found that works. You still have to feel the pain. You still got to go through the stuff, but you can do it in an expedited fashion. So I did so much healing and I did a lot of healing through laughter. Detonating my ego was perhaps the most fun I've ever had. I simply made fun of myself, my businesses, my achievements, everything. Not to say they aren't important, but I was able to see what is important in my life. And that's altruistic relationships with other human beings. My brother, my mom, my dad, my dog, people in Cafe RE, my neighbors. I've been so much more social since I've been since I've been back. It's incredible. And like I said, the paint on the barn is still red and it's still glowing. Like I said, I feel like I got a new brain, a new reset. I feel like a kid again. It's really cool. Okay, this is a biggie right here. This is a big one. Alcohol wasn't the problem. Alcohol wasn't even remotely the problem. Okay, let me clarify. Alcohol still is the most addictive and dangerous drug on the planet. And we're, when we are physically addicted to alcohol, you, you know, like our, you wake up and your body's like, fuck, I need alcohol to just go through this day. Look, that that's a huge problem. That's a big problem. So alcohol, okay, like it was definitely the problem for me. But, you know, you, we've, we've heard it and I've said it on the podcast. Drinking is but a symptom. And if you want to find out why you drink so much, quit drinking and you'll find out. None of that shit has to do with alcohol, right? And you might be listening to this Recovery Elevator podcast geared towards chatting about alcohol and say, wait a second, Paul, none of it has to do with alcohol? Mind fuck of the century. I know, it kind of is. And I'm still wrapping my head around it. But again, it all has to do with the heart and soul not being one. Ironically, do you know how much time ayahuasca dedicated towards addressing why I drink alcohol? I mean, I would ask that question. Why do I drink? What does it all mean? <laughs> right? And it just breezed right over it. And then I just started making fun of myself, detonating the ego. You know, all that stuff. That was the root cause. Okay? There's an underlying issue of why we drink. Right? There's a root cause. Some of the obvious ones can include childhood trauma, but also just the game of life is a beautiful struggle. Yeah, I think my heart and soul departed from one another. Part of it could be growing up in Salt Lake City as being only one or two non-Mormon in a, in a school of like 1,200 kids. There was times when I didn't get invited to birthday parties, and I was told this because I wasn't Mormon. Then I moved when I was 12 to Vail, Colorado. That was tough to do. Um, found this thing called alcohol, which, which allowed me to fit in. And again, alcohol, it is shit, and it's an accelerant of the departure of your heart and soul. So that can't help anything, but that's what it was all about. The heart and soul were a football field apart, and now they're one, and it feels fucking good. 
So I had a couple miracles, uh, several miracles while doing ayahuasca. And then uh, everything else after that is like meditation on steroids, right? Like yoga on steroids. Everything is enhanced. And I met with uh, one of my therapists and we were talking about some stuff about a relationship with someone in my life. And, you know, they were kind of like leading a horse to water. And I could feel this spot in the back of my brain start to twist, 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 and then pop. All this energy just released out my hands. I had to like grab onto the sofa and all this energy just like flew out of my hands and my legs for like 30 seconds. I could barely move. And none of this would have happened without the plant medicine. And this happened like two weeks afterward. Crazy stuff. You know, so what changes did I make in my life after this experience? Well, every other Wednesday I meet with a business mastermind group and I left it right? That's, that's a dangerous situation for me. You know, they're great guys. They're, they, they all have huge hearts, but you know, it's kind of like we talk about profits and how can we make more profits? How can our email lists get bigger and this and that? And like, that's, it's not healthy. I would rather spend that hour with my dog in nature with family. And yeah, it's just, that's, that's not what I wanted to do. I've been spending a lot more time with my tribe in person in cafe RE that is huge. And they tell you right when you get to the retreat center, don't leave your spouse, don't change your job after this experience. And that was the same with me too, right? Um, there were no like profound career changes and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, I have made a pact to follow my heart. And that's why I'm talking with you right now. It's because my heart has told me to tell you this. So back to, uh, back to addiction here. Um, we are a recovery podcast. Let's talk about addiction for a second. Um, after that ceremony night four, it was so clear that a, my addiction was gone. And if ever comes back, I know what to do now, but it was so clear. And I don't want to say this in a patronizing fashion, but it was a heart and soul. In fact, so this is some kind of crazy stuff. This is a great story. Actually, episode 169 was about, uh, has addiction ever been a problem? And it was written by a guy named Gaber Mate who he's like top three, top, I don't know, probably my favorite addiction writer. It's unreal. And I, I highly recommend you read the book in the realm of hungry ghosts. So on the airplane ride down to Costa Rica, I'm listening to the audio book of that. And I'm listening, press and pause, taking notes, um, for episode 169. Fascinating shit. Um, and guess who I see at the, uh, yeah, at the retreat, Mr. Uh, Dr. Mate. I mean, I was like starstruck. I went back to my room, Google image to Dr. Mate. I was like, holy shit, that's the guy that I was just reading, listening to his book on the airplane. And while I was on the airplane, I had a separate sheet of paper with questions because I want to get this guy on the podcast and ask him. And some of them were like, hey, I don't really see eye to eye to you on this stuff, right? And so the first day I was like, I was trying to figure out a way to show him my worth. And this is the ego talking like, Hey, Dr. Mate, I've got this podcast, uh, downloaded like, uh, like millions of times and, uh, paying members and all this stuff. Like that's the ego talking. Right. And then I didn't see him for a couple of days. Um, and then after the, the night four, the, uh, the morning, after the fourth ceremony, I saw him walk down the pathway would have been a pretty good opportunity to talk to this guy. And I had no questions. I had nothing to ask him. And this is, this is pretty profound. 
because I have dedicated the last 170, 180, 90 weeks of my life to recovery. And there's like a recovery guru. And I he just walked right by. A, my addiction was gone. And B, it's Dr. Mate, you got it all right. Yep. I mean, he's basically saying the same thing about the heart and soul in a more profound way. He breaks it down a little better than I'm doing. Um, highly recommend you read it. It's in the realm of Hungry Ghost. And I've reached out to somebody in his camp. And I'm kind of shooting myself in the foot for not talking to him. Because <laughs> I do want to get him on the podcast. So if it's meant to happen, it's meant to happen. If anybody knows Dr. Mate out there, um, yeah, maybe try to get him on the podcast. You know, he has a classical addiction podcast, which he goes into in depth in his book. It's all about you know, childhood trauma. He grew up, I think it was hungry in 1944. He was born. Sorry, Dr. Mate, if I got that wrong. But uh, you know, the only support or uh, you know, classical music was like a mother to him when he was in, in the womb or, or uh, is an infant. It was during World War II and just some really traumatic times. And that has developed later on in life where he'll spend thousands of dollars a year, lie to his spouse, to his family about you know, where he was as a classical music store, spending thousands of dollars. And I'm not making fun of the addiction at all. I mean, that's a real addiction. And I'm just curious to chat with him about this. So, Dr. Mate, you're welcome aboard anytime. Okay. All right. Let's cover some more stuff here. You've heard me say on this podcast, there's nothing wrong with me. As a whole, that's correct. There's nothing wrong with you if you have a drinking problem. It's an addictive substance. There's nothing wrong with you if your heart and soul have departed because it's the game of life, right? It can just happen. But in reality, there was something very wrong with me. I was dying. I was dying from a heart and soul that were so far apart that I had banished myself. I hated myself. Like, dude, I, I, there was some big time stuff wrong with me. And like I said, four nights worth of progress in a life. It was just, we covered that stuff. Um, yeah, let's, uh, hang on. Going to get a little bit of water here. Okay, I'm back. Yeah, let's talk about the elephant in the room. And I'm talking about the model we currently have in society to read addiction. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> Let's talk about the elephant in the room and I'm talking about the model we currently have in society to treat addiction. It doesn't work. Not only does it not work, it's fucking abysmal. And on the federal level, we try to uh, incarcerate addiction out of people. It doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. And I've been reading this book by Lance Dodes, uh, the author of The Sober Truth, which I actually don't recommend that book. It's just, it's, it's depressing, but it's kind of right. Um, it, it's, it states the success rate of AA is between five to eight percent um that uh 30 day you know thirty thousand dollar rehab facilities in the low teens of success and look that statement isn't a knock on aa at all in fact the second value bomb is about that and it's coming up soon it has to do with its founder um but look like something's gotta go like something's gotta give and i feel like the time is right um and i'm talking plant medicine here and is ayahuasca the only thing? Absolutely not. But there were some people that worked at the facility and, and just I had some conversations with people that they were talking like heroin addictions, gone, one and done type stuff. There's one called Iboga, Ibogaine, which is like the Mac Daddy of plant medicines. I mean, you're under the influence for like 15 to 30 hours. Like that's terrifying. Um, but if my heart and soul ever depart, like there's so many options out there. There's a lot of options out there. And like something's got to change because way too many people are dying. Seriously. 
And if you're pissed off that I drank ayahuasca and you, you'd rather me live in a life of misery, well, fuck you. Seriously, on that one. That's just, that's not, that's not okay. All right, that's not okay. Kind of went deep there. Probably didn't need to say that, but like something needs to happen. And I think the time is now, right? Like it's no, it's, something needs to happen. Um, and I'm excited. I'm excited for recovery because ugh, my addiction's gone. It's gone. Like that addiction game of whack-and-mole is just exhausting. And again, I see it in the posts in Cafe RE. Hey, guys, I hit six months of sobriety, but fuck, I ate seven pizzas last night. What the hell is going on? A lot of us are just playing addiction whack-a-mole. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. And so I'm not the first one to bring this up. As I mentioned, like now is the time. There's someone else who brought this stuff up a little while back in the year 1935. His name was Brandon. Brand, no, Bill. Bill W. Just kidding. I knew his name was Bill W. <laughs> Founder of AA, 1935. So in my research, I found uh, that Bill W. actually did ayahuasca and LSD. In fact, he wanted to make LSD part of AA. And a guy, uh, you know, Dr. Bob and the surrounding team was like, uh, let's pump the brakes here for a second, Bill. Uh, can't do that. So they went ahead with the 12 steps. So they went ahead with the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous without LSD. And reading the 12 steps after doing this ayahuasca experience, holy shit, guys, Bill got it right. He did. The guy got it right. It's pretty profound shit. Um, yeah, there's some that like, don't like, it doesn't matter. Like the guy fucking got it right. I think the problem is in today's society, it's, it's difficult. Again, that whole book is about mending the heart and soul. It is the whole book is about mending the heart and soul. And it says it in there. It's not about alcohol. Drinking is but a symptom. Um, I just think in today's society that like maybe only five to 8% of people can mend the heart and soul doing a 12 step program. I remember my last meeting with my sponsor, I almost cried in my car because I didn't have that miracle spiritual awakening. I was like, fuck, what did I do wrong? Answer was nothing. I didn't do anything wrong. I did the best of my ability and it didn't work for me. And that's okay. Um, it was all part of my journey. Okay, so let's, uh, let's do a little Q&A. Let's do a little Q&A. Um, okay, Paul, uh, do I need plant medicine? Okay, well, uh, how do I know if my heart and soul need merging is the better question. Well, okay, here's a test. You're going to rent Seabiscuit, and at minute 17, if you're not crying, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So I think the biggest test is addiction whack-a-mole. So I quit drinking, but the addiction never went away because my heart and soul didn't even know what zip code the other one lived in. Um, and I've met people that they quit alcohol, and they're good to go. Maybe you need just a little teaspoon of merge. Maybe you need, I have no idea. Maybe, maybe you don't. But if you're seeing other addictions arise in your life, the core root, the core issue has not been addressed. Will I ever drink ayahuasca again? That's a great question. Um, I actually, I kind of want to, and I kind of don't want to. Again, I went to such a spiritual place, scary place night four. I'd be fine if, if I never did, but in this game of life, if the heart and soul start to depart again, it's not worth it living life miserable. Cause I did that for a while and it fucking sucked. Um, yeah. So, okay. And I thought a lot about this too. Am I going to go down there and now get addicted to ayahuasca? Um, I'm in recovery, dude. 
And no, that's that's not the case. In fact, you purge, you throw it up. Um, you want to crap your pants a lot. Um, you you feel sick. Um, you 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 go to like terrifying, scary places. So no, no, um, it's nothing. It's nothing like that at all. Um, you know, and, and do I need to reset my sobriety calculator? I'm sure some people have been like, whoa, Paul, addiction's black and white, buddy. Like, you drank something that made you feel differently. Uh, you're at day zero, zero, zero in my book. Fuck that. I mean, it, it, I mean, there's a couple ways to look at it. Number one, all I was doing was like tracking my addiction whack-a-mole. Like, hey, recovery elevator. I've been playing the addiction game of whack-a-mole for 1,300. You know, it's like, but on the other hand, I haven't drank alcohol since 1,000. I said at the beginning of the episode, I think it's 1,345 days. Yeah, 1,345 days. Dude, and that's, that's a miracle. God damn it. That's a miracle. And, and so in some ways, the sobriety calculator is more important. In some ways, it's less important. But no, I'm not resetting shit. Okay, where and what was this place? Well, it's called Rhythmia. It's R-Y-T-H-M-I-A. Life Advancement Center in Costa Rica, and they have a 95% miracle guarantee. Yeah, that's uh, that's like some Kool-Aid shit right there. Guaranteeing miracles? You know, and at the end of the retreat, there's a sentence that's not verbose. It's just a question. Did you get your miracle? Yes or no? And I got my miracle night one. I was laughing. I'm like, okay, I can fucking go home tomorrow. I'm good. And the miracles just kept on coming. Like I said, everything in life that seems too good to be true, you know, that statement holds correct, except this one. And how did I find out about Rhythmia? Well, could have been divine, could have been a coincidence, whatever. But when I was struggling during my research, I came across ayahuasca, I came across psilocybin, and I think the world of recovery is drastically going to change of how we treat it. Um, and I interviewed a gentleman named Britic. And after his interview, I was like, dude, tell me more about Costa Rica, dude. Like, what, what, you know? And thank you, Britic, for telling me about this place. A genuine thank you. And I'm going to get Britic back on here. I think he was interviewed like five to ten episodes ago because uh, it changed the direction of my life for the good. So thank you, Britic. Um, yeah, you go down there Sunday to Sunday. It's rhythmia.com. Um, you know, if, if you do book, I'm working with them to get like a, a discount code. Um, not so I get money. What I want to do is like, if I send like five or six people, I get a gift. I could get, I'm able to gift a trip for free. And this is a five-star resort. I mean, there's a pool, the food's incredible. Yoga in the morning, you're in Costa Rica, you ride your bike to the beach. It's absolutely incredible. In fact, I'm trying to put together some dates in January to get a recovery elevator trip going, but I got to go slow with this. Like that's way ahead of the game already. But if you do book, please mention Paul Churchill and the recovery elevator podcast. So where's a podcast going moving forward? Well, I need to go slow. I need to breathe and I need to listen to my heart. How will plant medicine change recovery elevator? Well, I don't know, man. I mean, it's changed myself in a profound way. And just like most projects, most endeavors, as they progress, they change. And, and this isn't like a 90 degree change. It's, it's just kind of a shift, just like most projects do. And we got a lot of stuff right on the podcast and we're going to double down on those things and some things I got wrong and a big one was that alcohol was not the problem it's not and it's still not the problem 
I know this is strange to wrap your head around. I know, um, you know, this is still an alcohol recovery podcast, but the goals may shift a bit. The new direction will most likely be geared towards merging the heart and soul purge and merge baby. However, we have a 0% chance of merging the heart and soul while drinking this vile shit called alcohol. If you're in Cafe RE, what will this look like for Cafe RE? Well, again, like I said, it's probably going to be more about merging the heart and soul. Of course, I urge you to do your absolute best to stay away from alcohol because you've got a zero chance of merging your heart and soul with alcohol in your life. But guess what? If you do drink, do not shame yourself. If you slip up, have a whoopsie-daisy, a relapse, I repeat, do not shame yourself because that does absolutely no good and it's only going to add to the self-loathing, which is so dangerous. All right, so Cafe RE, right? So we're not going to shame ourselves. What are we just going to be like a, like a group of moderation? And same thing with the podcast. Can we moderate most of the podcast? Well, you can kind of do whatever the hell you want, but uh, we're not. We're not. Cafe RE is not a group of moderation. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, in fact, there's a UK-based group called Club Soda, and there's some really cool stuff going on out there. And you know, they even have like uh, tips and tricks of how to moderate and stuff. Um, yeah, like that might be the right fit for you. But we are geared towards people who want to have zero to do with that shit called alcohol, because there's nothing good that I've experienced that comes from that. Um, yeah, and so we are gonna purge and we are going to merge within these groups. Like I mentioned, I think 99% of people are going to be on board with this podcast episode. Some people are going to cancel, right? That's just how it's going to go. And if you do cancel, I wish you the best. However, we are going to be launching our third group starting July 1st, right? Third group starting July 1st. After that group reaches a certain number, we're going to launch a forum. Okay, so these groups are capped at like 200 to 250 people to ensure intimacy. And then we're going to launch a forum that's going to tie all the people together. And I can break, break people down by geographically, by sobriety time, by male, by female. If you live on the same freaking street, probably not that far, but you get the point. Um, yeah, and, and, and with the podcast, guys, I, I got to be honest with you. The, uh, the Recovery Elevator podcast died. The whole thing, kaput. For about six hours after the final ceremony on Friday, I realized two things. Number one, my addiction is gone. Fact. And it feels great. Number two, look, I mean, this is hard for me to say too on, 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 on air is there was a lot of ego tied into the podcast and I had no idea. Um, my ego was toxic and it eventually would have led me to drink. Like I said, that Bill W guy, he got it right. He talks a lot about the ego. Um, I know this is strange. Like what, what started out with just pure good hearted intentions. Like I didn't give a shit who was listening to this podcast episode or, or any episode. I didn't care. Right. There was no thought of sponsors, no thought of like charging people to be in a Facebook group, no thought, any of that stuff. Um, and it kind of got to a point where like I was looking at a new email for cafe registrations and I was worried about numbers and how many members I had, how many paying subscribers and how many people go to the retreats and, and look, that's okay. I'm not, that doesn't mean I'm a bad person at all. I'm part of this game of life and um, people are susceptible. I think I said that word right. People can fall victim and pray to that stuff. That's just, that's just how it goes. But like I said, for the last six weeks, every time signs up for Cafe RE, it's just a beautiful thing that they've given me the opportunity 
to for so I can be part of their journey and, and we can all heal together. It's just awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it died. It died for like six hours. Um, and there's a thing called secondary trauma. It's real. If you're a psychologist or like in that field, a doctor, you don't understand it. There's a lot of people who text me and email me and like I get a lot of these just things dumped on me and I like I purposely use that word and I need to be careful about that. All right. There's got to be boundaries. And, um, and some people said like, I'm not, I'm in cafe area. It's like my favorite resource ever, but there's days I take off like for my own personal mental health. Right. Um, yeah. And so, but right around noon on Friday, uh, yeah, like my heart started talking to me and said, no, right. I, it's got it. We got to move forward. And I can't listen to my heart only on the weekends or hey, it's full moon. Listen to your heart time. Like, no, it's always listen to my heart. My heart is telling me to talk to you guys about this. And my heart is telling me to move forward. Um, not with dollar signs attached, but just with a big heart. And let's all heal together. And as long as I lead with my heart and not my ego, guys, we're going to be just fine. And never, never in the whole history inception of the Recovery Elevator podcast have I been more excited about this project. Just like glowing of ideas. I, I can't sleep at night sometimes because these ideas are just coming through. And dude, the future is going to be awesome. I'm serious. We're going to have some meetups planned. Uh, I mean, I mean, but we're going to go slow. We're going to breathe, right? I'm talking like a 20-year plan I've got in my brain. It's all crystal clear, but I'm in no fucking rush. We're going to go at a snail's pace, and it's going to be beautiful, and we're all going to heal. Okay, Recovery Elevator, let's get started. We took the elevator down. We got to take the stairs back up. We can do this.